Guess what, Lions? For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content and help this program grow by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com slash support. Those who understand the issues and how important they are, they have a moral obligation greater than the person who doesn't care. I think we have a greater obligation, and in a moral sense, of presenting the case for liberty. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here's your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. Chip, 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 chip. What's up, my little chickadees? No, you're not chickadees. You're Liberty kittens looking to grow into big Liberty lions. All you got to do is listen to this show every single day or at least three days a week because that's how often we give you a new episode here on Lions of Liberty. Three unique shows every week, I should say. Of course, you got me, Mark Claire, every single Monday bringing you killer interviews like the one you're going to hear today with. I mean, I can't really hide it. You heard him in the cold open. It's Ron Paul here on today's episode number 325, which means you can find the show notes featuring links to everything we discuss over at lionsofliberty.com slash Three, two, five. Of course, every Wednesday, my man Brian McWilliams brings you his weekly shot of comedy, culture, and liberty with Electric Liberty Land. And of course, John Odie Odermatt wraps things up every single Friday with his look at the broken criminal justice system every single Friday on Felony Friday. You got to hit that subscribe button, folks, so you don't miss a darn thing. And you're going to want to make sure you stay tuned after my interview with Dr. Paul because we're going to reveal the results of the Liberty Draft, which we revisited last week. We did a poll on Facebook and on our website, and we will reveal those results with a little segment from the Lions of Liberty Pride at the end of the show. And before we get into my interview today with the great champion of liberty, Dr. Ron Paul, I want to make sure you guys know about our amazing sponsors today from Health Excellence Plus. This is a revolutionary, free market, dare I say, very libertarian program that helps people deal with the rising cost of healthcare and health insurance. This is a totally new concept that you are going to love. If you are having any sort of difficulty deciding on your health insurance, be sure to check out Health Excellence Plus. You can learn more by heading over to lionsofliberty.com slash health. With me now is someone who truly needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. He was a guest on this show back in episode 200. In many ways, he helped to inspire not only this very program, but the activism of an immeasurable number of libertarians. He's got a new book out now called The Revolution. Ten years later, I'm thrilled to welcome back Dr. Ron Paul. Dr. Paul, are you ready to roar? I'm all set to go. Uh, Dr. Paul, I knew you would be because you are always roaring and you roar for liberty all through your latest book, The Revolution 10 Years Later. What inspired you to write this book? Well, because I think uh, I observe that the propaganda about where the libertarian revolution is currently today is not correct, but that's not surprising. 
Because uh, if you say, um, well, yes, we have a great presence. Well, we don't. Not in Washington. We're not running the show. We don't control Congress, the presidency, or anything else. So uh, on the surface, it doesn't look like there is a revolution. But when I go into uh, the details of it, I'm pretty optimistic. When I visit college campuses, when I come on programs like yours, people are interested. And I also look at this because it's not a numbers game. It's not a thing that who got the biggest crowd. And I'll say, well, you know, Bernie Sanders is getting big crowds. He got bigger crowds than you did. But it depends on what the issue is and how determined we are and what's going to happen tomorrow and how we fit in to replace this failing system. And that's where I get very optimistic. And uh, uh, our numbers are great, much higher than they ever said, uh, that they ever, ever claimed. And every once in a while, you'll have even some libertarians writing articles uh, chirping that, well, maybe maybe things aren't so good and that sort of thing. But I think I think things are going very well, and I, I see it philosophically more than politically because I think the philosophy and the attitudes have to change from the by the people, and then the government changes after that. So the philosophy comes first, and I think that's where we excel. Sure. I mean, you, you do often see headlines out there in the libertarian world occasionally saying things like, the libertarian movement has passed, and, and things like that. And, you know, if you just listen to traditional political pundits, uh, looking back on your two presidential campaigns in 2008 and 2012, many mainstream media pundits would say they were a failure because, well, you didn't win. Uh, obviously, <laughs> you're using some very different metrics to judge the success of the revolution. So what, what do you see out there that gives you hope, that gives you that, uh, that knowledge that the, the revolution is alive and well? Well, I think it's the number of young people that are involved, but they're invisible to the conventional media. Uh, you know, we don't have a major TV station. Uh, TV stations, uh, you know, are bipartisan. Uh, the Republican-Democratic, uh, you know, contest is, uh, is, is not doesn't really exist. They all support the same thing. They support the wars. They support the Federal Reserve. They support welfare. They support deficits because they've all been taught, you know, Keynesian economics and interventionist politics and us as a police state, and we should be doing this. So, But if if you go elsewhere, if you go and talk to individuals and a number of people who have come up with different ideas, that's, that's where I get uh, very encouraged. Matter of fact, I was sort of pleasantly surprised when it first dawned on me that the attitudes were much further along than I dreamed when uh, the first time I ever heard uh, and the Fed and the Fed and a chant was spontaneous on a liberal campus, you know, and that was probably in, uh, in 07. And so they had been reading libertarian Austrian economic theories a long time. But of course, that's something I've talked about for a long time, too. And uh, we, uh, we, we believe that, uh, you know, that the grassroots uh, are grasping this. I believe the one reason is that tr truth is powerful. And, uh, you know, the, the numbers are out there that says, oh, no, uh, you guys are losing. But I think uh, I always felt good when somebody would come up and it was finally dawn on them when they put this whole libertarian message together. They come up and say, I get it. I get it, Ron. This is great. It's, and it's just, it just dawned on me. It's just common sense. And I think common sense sometimes can rule the day, but it's the tough job overcoming the power and the determination that uh, the politicians have to think of what, what we have to contend with. There's, there's uh, 
probably an understanding of why it appears that we're not doing much because we see such power with the uh, with the deep state. Even the apparent government that we have, and they're blundering along. We still have the deep state to contend with. But uh, I think there's more interest now in Austrian free market economics and sound money and getting rid of the Fed than probably uh, in a long, long time. There was an argument against the Fed and the income tax way back. But uh, now there's a lot more people, a lot of, a lot of people talk negatively of the Fed, uh, not in the ordinary media, but uh, in, the, in the business community and even on some of the investment stations, they talk about you know how bad policy has been. And it, it self-destructs. That's the other thing that encourages me. You know, we didn't, uh, it was sort of like going back to the 80s, how are we going to defeat communism? Well, you know, I was in the military back in the 60s and, and you know, the Cold War was serious and there was missiles in Cuba and uh, how are we going to do it? Are we going to have this war? When are the nukes going to uh, be exchanged? And lo and behold, it just disappeared, you know, overnight. It, it disintegrated because it failed from within. And that's, I'm optimistic in that sense that this system is going to fail. The big challenge is, are we going to be strong enough ideologically to uh, present the case for a free society versus just another form of totalitarianism? And that's a that's the, the toughest job we have, but that's where I do get encouragement from uh, a lot of people I meet. It must have been completely mind-blowing to hear an, an End the Fed chant break out after you'd spent you know 30 or so years talking about the Federal Reserve and all the problems associated with it to to essentially, you know, no response, at least not, not uh, you know, from the mainstream of America, to hear that, that chant break out on campus. That must have just, did that send chills up your spine? Yeah, it really made it, it was exciting. It happened at the University of Michigan, which nobody would predict that, but it came after after a debate in Detroit, and we were talking about economics uh, at that at that debate, and that was uh, in '07, and there were hints of uh, you know bad things going on, and they asked all the Republican candidates how are things going. Of course, they had to defend the Republican administration. Things are good, and all this stuff. We have to continue and do this and that. But I uh, I claim that we're in the early stages of this recession, and things are going to get much worse. Uh, and then when I went over there, and the crowd started uh, talking about the Federal Reserve spontaneously. Of course, uh, I'm sure I talked about the Federal Reserve, too. So it was pretty exciting. Yeah, you were, you were never afraid to challenge uh, GOP orthodoxy when, when you, in your run for president. I mean, th- that, the one moment that still stands out to me, um, you know, and, and I know many other people that were inspired by it, is your confrontation with Rudy Giuliani in a GOP debate when you presented the radical idea that the foreign policy of the United States is a primary cause of terrorism, to which Giuliani chastised you, demanded an apology, at which point you essentially doubled down on that position and said, yes, Mr. Giuliani, blowback is real, and, and politely suggested that he look into the matter further. So what, what was going through your head on that stage under those bright lights at that moment in time? Did you realize just how much uproar your comments about the causes of terrorism would cause? And I'm curious, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but did you ever consider Mr. Giuliani's suggestion that, uh, Dr. Paul, you should apologize and take that comment back? <laughs> <laughs> Not real. <laughs> I didn't think so. But. That would have been pretty. That would be a pretty atrocious thing. That to probably do. would have sniffed the revolution out but, pretty quickly. Uh, the significance of it all. I was concentrating on trying to word my answer the best way I could. There was some booing going on as usual, and but that didn't. That didn't seem to be on my mind. It, it seems like I, I accepted it, that 
what else would they do? And a lot of people would ask me, well, how did you even survive Washington? Weren't you awful fr- awfully frustrated? I, didn't, I was never really frustrated. I said, I really didn't expect to change the world in a day or two. And when we did have successes, I was v- very pleased. So it, uh, I guess it's the expectations. Uh, I, I guess I, uh, in Washington and for Speaking out like that, I, I was expect, I, I had low expectations. So the uh, outcome of that was way over what I've ever would have predicted. I do remember the campaign manager uh, Ken Snyder was the campaign manager then, and and after we were walking off the stage, um, it still didn't dawn on me this was a big deal. I thought it was pretty routine. And then he came up. And he says, "Guess." Guess what, Ron? He says, you're winning all the polls on the television. <laughs> because from the audience, you know, I figure, well, it's the same old story. You know, I, I do this on con- in Congress all the time, and I never get applause, and, you know. <laughs> but uh, he knew the political significance. Uh, that was the first time it dawned on me that maybe we touched a nerve that night. And uh, like you have just done, many others still do that. They say, that was when I started to think about our foreign policy. So it's and tedious, uh, and another reason why uh, you know ideas in, are important, and I'm always excited when uh, uh, people uh, you know change their mind. Another thing I got excited about is when a member of Congress would come and talk to me and ask me specifically, "Why did you vote that way?" With you know, wanted to know the the reason, and it refreshed my memory from what Leonard Reed from the Fee Foundation uh, talked about. Uh, he he always uh, said that you can't push yourself. You can't uh, badger people into believing something. You just offer it up, become knowledgeable. And when they really are curious enough, they'll come and ask you a question. So I didn't have a a miraculous change of Washington or or Congress, but there were times when a few members would come up and ask me. One in particular, and I don't think he would mind me saying, and that was Walter Jones, because he switched his whole idea about foreign policy uh, because he supported the Iraq war and realized afterwards he was uh, he was lied to and uh, he's still very annoyed with himself because he didn't pick up on the lies but he and he and I became best of friends and and um, he is very very determined about uh, you know avoiding getting into these careless wars so that would that excited me when people would come and just ask me a, a question, but it's only one person. There's no uh, big headlines over it, but uh, Walter Jones, just think how many people know about him. And he thought for sure he has, uh, you know, a, a big base, a military base in North Carolina. He thought it would really, really hurt his political career, but it didn't. It never bothered him. Jimmy Duncan voted against the war, and he says it was the toughest vote he ever did uh, by voting for against the Iraq war. And the, his Republican colleagues, he was in, a, I mean, his district, very Republican, they were really, really annoyed with him. I'm but sure. after a year or <laughs> After a year or two, he said, it's one of my best votes, and they're starting to realize it. So uh, truth wins out in the end. Now, Dr. Paul, for the remainder of this program, I'd like to essentially turn the show over to our Lions Pride, our many great fans who helped to fund this program. We'll try to, to make them real quick. We'll squeeze in as many as we can, starting with a question from longtime fan Stephanie Bloom Parker. She asks, what do you currently see in the liberty movement that you are the most excited about? Oh, well, I think we've sort of 
touched on this, and that is meeting people that have been converted to uh, this philosophy. I think that uh, we talked a little bit about the monetary issue. I would say that the emphasis on the Federal Reserve and its participation in financing war and welfare and debt um, is now something that is discussed frequently. And uh, it be, when I went to Washington first in the 70s, believe me, there was no discussion of that. There was no open-mindedness that maybe uh, the Federal Reserve was not a perfect institution that deserved credit for all the booms and gets us out of the trouble when we have a bust. I think there are so many people that are different on this idea, and it's a big issue. So that, I think, is one of the things that I'm most pleased with. But of course, meeting young people who are convinced that that uh, freedom uh, is far superior to this authoritarianism. That excites me. All right, we got a question from Lance Saika, who simply asks, Bitcoin, buy or bust? Well, I just did a program today, which will appear on Ron Paul Liberty Report uh, on... Um Today, yeah, it, it went up light. The Ron Paul Liberty Report, I talked about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. And the title of the program is, um, uh, is, is uh, Bitcoin Money. And uh, I do answer the question. Uh, I, it comes up as a follow-up when I had Bernanke before the committee. I said, it's gold money. And, of course, his answer was no, it was not gold money. So I'm not going to give away the answer about Bitcoin. <laughs> I give a long answer. Well, we, we will link to that episode in today's show notes. So everyone can, can go check it out. <laughs> okay. But uh, it's an interesting subject, and, uh, and the answer, uh, I think, will, yeah, will be easily understood. All right. Marty Milligan wanted me to ask you about something I'm sure you will recall, your famous appearance on the Morton Downey Jr. show. When you stood up against drug prohibition during the height of the Nancy Reagan Just Say No to Drugs era, and he wants to know what was going through your mind with such a hostile crowd. Uh, I'll link to this as well for people that haven't seen it before. It's really an incredible clip. Uh, This crowd was literally booing and yelling at you the whole time you were standing up uh, against drug prohibition. So what were you thinking on stage there? Well, I tell you what, I had mixed feelings there uh, because... uh, you know, part of that program was they did a little coaching that they wanted you to get, you know, pretty excited. Right. And when I, my reactions, it wasn't a calm, uh, deliberate discussion, you know, academically speaking. It was a lot right. of shouting, and I was answering back to him, but I stuck to my guns. So the format was completely different than I was used to. So I thought, that is just terrible. I, I am uh, so ashamed about how I overreacted. And I always hope that nobody would ever see that thing. And in my district, <laughs> they never brought that up to me. But somebody that knew something about where these things were buried, they brought it up in the uh, presidential campaign, I thought, holy man, I said, I don't ever want to see that. And yet, most people who saw it loved it. It's pretty enjoyable. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and I think, once again, it's sort of the challenging the status quo. Yes, the tone was different. Uh, certainly the tone by the time I was challenging uh, Giuliani was different. But uh, that, was, that was a weird program. But if you remember the point being correctly uh, stated that uh, I was challenging the status quo on a drug war, and I think that's another thing I feel good about, that we have made a difference. Because uh, in the district... Uh, you know, uh, especially when I was running to go back to Congress in the 1990s, and I took a strong position on drugs, and I thought, 
I don't think I can win on this, you know, because it, we live in the Bible Belt. How many people care about legalizing drugs and all? And besides, it became a non-issue, and I decided that a lot of people know what's right, and they have suffered some family member getting a huge penalty because the, they did this horrible thing and smoked a marijuana cigarette, you know. So uh, that that to me was a major surprise as well. All right, and finally, I've got a question from Dan Smotz. He wants to know, Dr. Paul, what would it take to get another Ron Paul presidential run? I know you're very busy right now. You've got the Ron Paul Liberty <laughs> Report, the Homeschool School Program, Institute for Peace and Prosperity. Is there any chance you would ever consider running for president again? Uh, I don't. I don't think that's <laughs> in the cards. You know, I, I think I. One, one thing is, I'm sort of tired of airplanes and the TSA, and and that's one thing it would require. Uh, I want to be more more direct, although those campaigns uh, were worthwhile in reaching people, as we've talked in this program, uh, with ideas and foreign policy and monetary policy. But uh, I'm going to be content with doing my, uh, my Internet-type program and writing the best I can and trying to change people's attitudes so that they themselves will get involved. And a lot of times people will ask me at, uh, when I speak, they say, yeah, I agree with you, and I want to do something. Tell me what I have to do. And I don't know if you've ever heard, but my answer is sort of flippant. It says, do whatever you want to do. <laughs> you know, you're doing something with a, a program, you know, a, 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 an interview like this, and it goes out. So I think everybody has something to do. If you come to the realization, and I also have a personal belief, that those who understand the issues and how important they are, they have a moral obligation greater than the person who doesn't care. There's always going to be half the population or more who doesn't care or doesn't understand, and they live from minute to minute on what type of entertainment they're going to have. But if you come around to understanding what the what the problems is and you come around with conviction of what the answers are, I think we have a more a, a, a greater obligation and in a moral sense of presenting the case for liberty. Well, Dr. Paul, I can say I do recall you saying, you know, do whatever you want to do uh, several years ago, maybe four or five years ago. I heard that and I thought to myself, well, I really like listening to podcasts and I could really I'd really like some more libertarian podcasts out there. So I did. I took your advice and I started my own. So there you are. Yeah. <laughs> congratulations. See, and I don't know how many people like you are out there and there are. I meet them all the time. That's that's one of the reasons I, I am encouraged. Well, all, all we can do is keep planting the seeds and, and I hope they grow all over the place. And they, it certainly seems to be what's happening uh, with all those seeds that you planted uh, with your two presidential campaigns. So, Dr. Paul, I thank you so much for your time today and for, for joining us again on the Lions Liberty podcast. Again, the book is called The Revolution at 10 Years. It is a great read. It is a fast read. I read it last night uh, in one sitting, and I really enjoy it. So I highly recommend checking that out. And Dr. Paul, I know I don't need, don't need to tell you to do this because you're going to do it anyway, but keep up the great work and keep on roaring for liberty. Thank you. Nice to be with you. I know many of you are facing major decisions with your health care right now, and I want to make sure that you know about an amazing alternative to your standard corporatized health insurance known as Health Excellence Plus. Health Excellence Plus is an incredible program that helps you keep medical costs under control by taking charge of your own health care and not leaving all the decisions about what doctors you see, and what procedures you need or don't need up to some corporate bureaucrat along with providing 24-7 access to medical professionals, tax-deferred health savings accounts, and preventative care, Health Excellence Plus empowers you to finally take control of your health care. 
To learn more, head on over to lionsofliberty.com slash health or call the special hotline for Lions of Liberty listeners at 855-290-4447. Be sure to mention Lions of Liberty. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my little conversation there with Dr. Ron Paul. Such an honor to have him back on the show after he was my guest back on episode 200, but also after he inspired me and John Odermatt and Brian McWilliams to start the lionsofliberty.com website and Eventually, that, of course, morphed into the podcast you are listening to right now. So Dr. Paul really was an inspiration as we talked during the show, even though he didn't win any political races uh, while running for president. He didn't win primaries, uh, although there was some uh, interesting, you know, contentious developments in the 2012 election where he did actually potentially win a few caucuses. But Dr. Paul did win, regardless of what uh, mainstream political pundits might say. Dr. Paul won something better than a presidential election. He won the hearts and minds of millions. Millions of people across the nation, across the world, who began to think about things a little bit differently. And he certainly did that for me. Now, I was had already gotten into libertarian ideas a bit, but it, it wasn't something I talked about. It wasn't something I was extra passionate about. I didn't go around speaking to my friends and family about this. It was just kind of something I thought to myself until I saw Dr. Ron Paul on that debate stage confronting Rudy Giuliani, saying things that you were just not supposed to say on television, criticizing the gospel that is U.S. foreign policy, um, actually looking at it in a nuanced way and saying, hey, Maybe, just maybe, when we drop some bombs on some people and kill a bunch of people and kill their families, they might actually get a little bit upset about, and it just may very well be a factor in terrorism. So um, that was just one of many heroic moments from Dr. Paul during his run. Now, uh, sadly, Dr. Ron Paul was not eligible to be drafted in the recent Liberty Draft. Now, if if you've not heard that yet, I implore you to go back to last week's show, lionsofliberty.com slash 324 is where you can find the show notes for episode 324, our Liberty Draft Revisited show. And that was basically a a little bit of a redraft from the show we did last year where we drafted teams from scratch, uh, basically Liberty um, mouthpieces, Liberty propagandists, if you will, onto teams in sort of a fantasy football type draft. And uh, everybody voted and we actually have the results of this. This year's draft. Now, this was revealed by many people in a, a very contentious campaigning season that took place over three days last week. Uh, the results were revealed to the Lions of Liberty Pride on a bonus show uh, that dropped last Friday. However, we are going to play right now a little bit of a clip from that show, just a little bit of, pr- of a preview of what you guys get by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. Again, for as little as five bucks a month, you can help us support this program and help grow this show. We're actually spending that Pride money right now on an ad campaign with the Part of the Problem show with Dave Smith. So again, welcome to any Part of the Problem listeners who have found their way over here. Pleased to have you. You can find a sampling of Dave Smith's appearances on this show by heading over to lionsofliberty.com slash problem. So if you're a Part of the Problem fan and want to get right to those Dave Smith interviews and check that out, by all means, go right over there. But right now, I want to play a little snippet from our recent Liberty Draft special for Pride members only where we revealed the results of the Liberty Draft. All right, folks, it is now time to reveal the results of the Liberty Draft. Now, there are actually two polls. There's the Facebook poll, and there is the poll on lionsofliberty.com slash 324, the show notes for the Liberty Draft. So I will go through, for in the, in the interest of full transparency, all of the votes uh, total in both places. So in Facebook, uh, we had Liberty S. Pumpkins came in number one in the Facebook poll. Uh, 
MLGA, Make Liberty Great Again, Odie's team came in with 65 votes. I had 74. He had 65. Second place, Trumpelstiltskins 5, TBD 8. Now, many Liberty S. Pumpkins fans were celebrating at this news when they saw the poll. However, there is a second poll. There is also the poll because there are some people that are not on Facebook and other people that probably want to cheat and manipulate the process. So for those people, we put up another poll at the show notes for the show. And on that poll, which, I, I mean... The, the, the numbers change in the last, I say, 10 minutes before the polls closed. So uh, I was winning until 10 minutes before that, at which point MLGA, Make Liberty Great Again, pulled out his uh, all his little felons. Literal felons are helping this man win. <laughs> I love it. I love that they got. Uh, they finally get the chance to vote <laughs> yes, the again. Felons, the right to vote for felons has been restored. Make Liberty Great Again in that poll got 46 votes. Um, Liberty S. Pumpkins, 27. Trump against 10. TBD, 4. So the grand total... MLGA wins with 111 total votes across the tool pose, <laughs> two polls. Liberty okay. S. Pumpkins, the, the real number one Boo team. The real number one team, Liberty S. Pumpkins, came in official second place, combining the two polls. Uh, Trouble Skillskins did actually pull back into third pa- place thanks to the uh, online non Facebook poll and TBD 12. And the only thing that I learned from this is that um, democracy is the worst possible system we could ever come up with because within moments of this, of the Liberty Draft show and uh, the polls being released, for those that don't know, the corruption just started flying all over the place. Roger Paxton quickly sold out to make Liberty great again. I believe he was offered a hat, and that was enough to turn the tide. He started recruiting. Are you, you going to let us talk here, no, or are you just going to shove this down absolutely not. I'm going to talk for 15 <laughs> minutes while you guys occasionally giggle or fucking smirk. That's my plan. Uh. All right, and we went on some uh, continued ranting after that for quite a bit, as, as Pride members know. Again, you can join the Lions of Liberty Pride by heading over to lionsofliberty.com slash support. Thank you for everybody that participated in the very fun and uh, very contentious voting and campaigning process. Uh, we are definitely going to revisit the Liberty Draft again next year, and uh, we have a lot of plans, a lot of plans and ideas about how to expand this thing and how to make it uh, an even bigger part of the show, since it is a, a very popular thing we do. And if you don't know what we're talking about, you might have missed a lot of the fun that went on in the Lions of Liberty forum. If you're not in there on Facebook, just search Lions of Liberty forum on Facebook, and we'll get you right in there. We have a lot of fun in there, and uh, the Liberty Draft campaigning process was certainly an example of the kind of fun times we have, so be sure to check that out. Another popular thing we do, well, we end the show. We end the show so you can go back into your day, into your lives, and hopefully spread the ideas of liberty a little bit yourself. Maybe just plant some seeds here and there, just like Dr. Paul did and still continues to do to this day. Again, please head over to the show notes lionsofliberty.com slash 325 where I will post a link to Ron Paul's answer about whether Bitcoin is money and whether he believes it is a buy or a bust. So you can find that again at lionsofliberty.com slash 325. Be sure to tune in this coming Wednesday to Brian McWilliams' weekly shot of comedy, culture, and liberty on Electric Liberty Land. And wrap up your week with John Odermatt's weekly look at the broken criminal justice system on Felony Friday. Until next time, folks. Live long! And live free. Hey guys, this is Roger Paxton, and if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com, or just go back to sucking up to the government. 
Lava Flow podcast, striking the root every single episode. This is Chris Spangle, and I am the host of We Are Libertarians, which you can find in iTunes, Google Play, or at wearelibertarians.com. We are a podcast that brings you all of the irreverence that modern politics deserves by examining current events from a libertarian perspective. So please, check us out at wearelibertarians.com. Hey everyone, the Johnny Rocket Launchpad is Liberty. Each week we strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, experts, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check us out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com. You can hear me, Kurt Nelson, and the beautiful Heather Nixon talk about the ideas of liberty, rock and roll. Just one night while you should be a book in a hole.